Hey, it's Thomas Frank. I've just got a quick note for you before we get into the show. If you've been enjoying the Inforium or my videos over on YouTube, then you, my friend, should get Nebula. On Nebula, you get ad-free versions of both this podcast and my videos, along with exclusive stuff like extended versions of those videos. And it's not just our stuff that you're going to get. Dozens of other creators are on Nebula, including Ali Abdal, Wendover Productions, Braincraft, Tier Zoo, and lots more. Nebula gives us a chance to experiment, and since everything's ad-free, it's also the best way for you to get our content. Head over to theinforium.com slash nebula to sign up now. Hello, dear listener, and welcome to another episode of The Inforium, a show about productivity, personal finance, but not about how to speak in this weird announcery voice that I'm nah. going to stop doing right nah, now. It's not, it's not about that. <laughs> it's not about that. I do like doing fun voices, though. Martin, I had a realization. If we what? batch record podcasts then we can't do project check-in every two weeks. This is true. Because we just finished a podcast episode nothing, and have made no nothing progress. Nothing has happened since then. Project check-in, <laughs> I have. I kind of stood for a few seconds while we handled recording things. That's true. Ooh, I, I technically did make progress on my new channel. You, you know what? You did. Tom made progress. Yep. I, didn't, I didn't do anything. The five-minute break between recording podcasts i went into notion and i created the entry for the first episode i'm gonna do in that channel and it's on the calendar that wasn't done before i guess project check-ins will have to they'll be more substantial maybe what we're gonna have to do is on more when we take a five minute break from the recording you have to go hard i gotta do something yep an entire pixel art just in five minutes five minutes what can Mm -hmm. i make in five minutes Something, you but do a what? Few pixels. what? What is the limit of what I could make look good in could five you, minutes? Could you do an ear of corn? How long is five minutes? Uh, I think this is the problem. Seconds. Five minutes sounds like nothing, but when I get really focused on something, I'll get really into it, do a bunch of stuff, and be like, what? Oh, only four minutes has passed. So five minutes is longer than I'm thinking, but I don't know how much longer. It's 300 seconds. What if it's like 301, though, this time? What if it's 300 and six seconds well then i could probably accomplish it like like there have been 306 episodes of this podcast which gives us some amount of authority to talk about podcasting segue that was that. you worked hard for that, that segue that was you, a good you one. worked hard for it, it. top tier grade and there a. we got it and that's segue. the first rule of podcasts is stretch segways. Mm-hmm. They're like limos, but they're segways. You know that story about like the guy who invented the segway driving off a cliff with a segway and dying? No, is Here, that a thing? It, it so it's is not that real. It is kind of a thing. How was is he kind of dead? So the story that goes around is the inventor of the segway was demonstrating to people that he could stop really well on a segway by stopping near a cliff mm-hmm. and drove off a cliff and died. Yes. What actually happened is not the guy who invented it, but I guess it was like the guy who was like running the company, the Segway company. I guess he was on a Segway near a cliff. And I think he tried to put it in reverse to like get out of the way of somebody walking their dog and then went over a cliff. I don't know why you would have been. So this part's true. This part's true. It's it, this is true. Yes. He did. Reverse a segue off of a cliff, and it, he did die tragically. Yes. 
<laughs> I just I still don't understand. That's how. Well, f- first of all, I feel bad that my response to you saying die tragically is to laugh. That's <laughs> but, how dare you, Mark? But uh, wow, what a what a unfortunate. It's, and yeah, it's I not, think foreseeable bad decision, but an accident overall. Yeah, it definitely is more of an accident. Uh, of like, a, look what I can do, guys. But I still don't understand. Like, it's why like, were you like that cliff? close to like a, a cliff? cliff? Is not where one should be hanging out. And I did. I really. I didn't expect the beginning of this podcast to be about a tragic segue death. I don't know why I was looking. In at fact, it the I think we've day. we've segued into a segue death conversation rather than <laughs> into what you were attempting to segue was, into. It's true. I was trying to segue into the. Overall, it looks like you've reversed your own segue off your own cliff, <laughs> metaphorically. Oops. <laughs> what have I done? Uh, okay. So, yes, we are following up the episode we did on YouTube with an yes. episode about podcasting. Yeah. And it's a thing we've done a like little bit of. I did with the FOMO episode, the last one we did, there is going to be a video about this one. But unfortunately, the video is going out first, so I can't advertise. Yeah, so you, you've the video. already seen it, or it's you're late to the party. Sorry. Well, I get okay. I can I can turn it on Ted. I can't really advertise this episode in my video so well. I no. guess I could say it's coming, but I can say to the people listening to this: if you don't want to listen to us blabber on about Segway deaths, or probably talk well, for like an hour and a half one. about podcast topics or podcast tips. And you want like 10 minutes of just condensed. Yeah. Here's how you yeah. start a podcast. If you want your your instant oats. Yeah. That's the video. For if you me. want instant oats, we've go got, to the YouTube channel. We've got the whole groats. We're going to cut them. We're going to steam them and roll them ourselves on this podcast. You have the what? We're going we're gonna to get the oats into little pieces, steam them, roll them up, make our own oh. instant oats out of solid groats. What's a groat? That's what it's called before anything is done to so, it. Is that As what it's a, called? It's called groats? In my head, I'm imagining it must stand for grain oat. That, like sounds, it's, but that it's, sounds gross. Well, yes. It's, gross, that's gross. because horses eat groats. Mm. We do stuff to them to make them great. I Groat. <laughs> great groats. <laughs> that's, uh, that's my new brand of oatmeal. Yeah, great I, groats. Anyway, enough about oats. <laughs> All right, so what we did for this episode is uh, very similar to what we did in the YouTube episode. I put a big old question thing in my Instagram story. You can follow me over at Tom Frankly if you want to get in on these in the future and asked you what questions you had about podcasting. Since we've been doing it for get ready, brace yourself mm, to feel old. I'm not ready. We've been podcasting for seven years, almost eight. When you say weave, do you mean you well, or me. do you mean me? How long have I been podcasting? Oh, uh, I think the first episode you were ever on was like episode... It was like 90-something? Like, no, no, no. You were on like... Well, okay. I was on like five Yeah, you and 20. Not five. It was like... I think it you was were... Like the early first amounts, one was in the teens. A couple times. Yeah. Then I came back in the 90s. Yes. Like trip pants. <laughs> <laughs> I knew something was coming. <laughs> I didn't know what... <laughs> Yeah, we're off. We're on a. Actually, we're off to I a think, roll. I think trip pants came out in the nineties. <laughs> I don't think they came back. Yeah, I think there was people in the sixties wearing like goth chain pants. We're off to a. We're off to a solid question answering Ooh, start yeah. here on this yeah. episode. We've been podcasting for. Well, I've been podcasting for seven years. You've been podcasting for probably at least five. So yeah, time, time in is that going. time. Oh, and I used to also co-host a, co-host a podcast called The Some Money Matters. Oh, I completely forgot you did that. That's mm-hmm. true. So you've got double. I've got double, double the yep. podcast. 
And then I've been on probably like 50 other podcast episodes. I've been on one other podcast episode. Oh, yeah. You were on a language podcast, weren't you? Yeah. That's true. That's pretty cool. So we got a bunch of questions and I may end up going off the rails and answering questions that you guys didn't even ask. I I mean, probably in these sort of Q&A things on this podcast thus far, it seems like it's just answer as many questions as you can lightning round just like go here we go giant list if we don't make it through all of them we didn't that's life but all right well here's the challenge i am still deluding myself into thinking i can eat lunch it's 3 30 now wow so if we get done by 4 30 i maybe still can delude myself into eating lunch and then i can do my japanese homework but what it'll actually be is i will eat dinner way too early and then annoy anna so just eat half the dinner and put the other half fast. in the fridge and then say it's dinner later. That, I could do that. Or I could just eat a snack. Either way. Or if we get done by 4.30, I can justify going and getting a coffee because it won't be past five. That's a good point. So let's uh, let's crack on. Let's get into these questions. All right. Uh, number one, is it too late to start a podcast? You got to start with the complex questions. Yeah. The answer is yes. Give up. Like, don't, don't go do home. It. Don't do it. I have thoughts on this. Um, Hopefully. Podcasting has many different benefits. So it all depends on what benefit you are seeking and where you currently are right now. So my ability to speak to a camera, my ability to speak on a stage, both of these have been ridiculously amplified by doing a podcast. I was always able to speak on stage, like public speaking. I almost minored it, but I was always, I was always really nervous and I was really nervous to do YouTube videos and podcasting was a way to basically strip back everything that was keeping me from practicing except for the act of speaking to an audience. And when I first started my podcast, The first episode was a monologue. It was not an interview. It was not a two dudes talking kind of podcast like we have. It was me just essentially addressing the listener. And you can go back and you can listen to that and compare it to either now or I think the last monologue episode I did was um, my 10 favorite podcasts when you broke your finger and you were in the hospital. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. I just saw that my YouTube sidebar the other day. But also you can consider those were fun days. That was fun, I guess, in quotes. Right in the finger. Uh, or you could look at my YouTube channel because that those are all basically monologues and compare the way I speak now versus the way I spoke back then. It's a lot more polished. Yeah. So podcasting was weekly public speaking practice, essentially. And I also gained a lot of technical experience. I learned how to edit audio in a DAW, digital audio workstation. Um, I learned about some of the technical processes therein eq compression all those things uh you know there was a lot of professional growth there so regardless of the listenership the success the ability to get sponsors whatever there's a lot i gained there yeah like it's useful way before it could make money Mm -hmm. um i would actually say that i've gained some skills from this interpersonally as well because one given that this kind of podcast is us talking one, we, we get the guaranteed opportunity for good conversation every once in a while. 
Mm-hmm. So we we can't fall out of talking and be weird or something. But also, I just think I'm much better at meeting new people, at small talk, at making an interesting conversation for them when I'm meeting somebody. Yeah. Things like that. It's way easier now, along with uh, the confidence to do stuff in front of camera. But I just think that's true. I'm used to having to think a little bit more interestingly interestingly about what somebody is saying mm-hmm. and and listening and being able to respond well, which helps in like everything else. It's interesting being in my position because when you're with somebody on a regular basis, you don't really get to see the contrast between, you know, where they started and where they end up because you're there the whole time. And yeah, I really don't go back and listen to our old episodes very often. Um, but if I did, or when I think back to it a little bit more purposefully, I remember that when you started, you were a lot more timid. I was super nervous at first. I was mm-hmm. also super nervous when we switched to video. Like yep. the nervousness came right back anew. Now, the funny thing was the switch to video was your idea. Yeah, it's okay because I like feeling nervous and it makes me feel alive. Mm-hmm. But I do, I, yeah, we had some conversation at one point that led us, and I guess it was your suggestion, to doing a live stream on Twitch, which uh, yeah. we had very few and, and we have people not done listening. Many, we have not done many live things. I don't even remember why. We used to, for some reason, we used to live stream the podcast to a private Twitch stream. There was a reason we did. I think it was the only way we knew how to record the podcast without having the uh, 30 minute time limit. Because all my cameras I had were DSLRs and they had that 30 minute limit. Sounds like it. And we didn't have anybody to help. interesting. Like hit record again. So I stupidly bought this uh, broadcast camera, which was it was literally a camera body from Blackmagic. It had no buttons on it. And you had to get a lens and then it just had like cords coming out of it that you plugged in to anything that you wanted to control. And I got some sort of capture card and streamed it to Twitch privately. I think what we told ourselves at the time was we're practicing and some at some point we're going to go live and actually make it public and it'll be like the WAN show. Oh, yeah. And then we realized, oh, if we do that, then we're on a schedule forever. And I can never like take a vacation or go on a business trip on a Friday because we have to record every Friday. So we ditched the idea of live streaming. Yeah, I do not like infinite constraints there or indefinite, I suppose. So it's it's funny like that. That is a really, really roundabout way to what we're doing now, which is just filming with video cameras that don't have a record limit. But that was the original problem. So hopefully what we can do in this episode is for anybody who wants to start a podcast, we can maybe help you avoid some of the wastes of time and money that we've gone through. Yeah. We've gone through some wastes of time and money. It's a weird workaround. Um, now, the question of is it too late to start a podcast for growing and getting an audience, that is more complicated. Used to be, and by used to be, I mean like 2013 at probably the latest. When you start a new podcast, like number one, iTunes was the place to get podcasts. There was Stitcher and iHeartRadio, I guess, but like iTunes was the place. If you started a podcast and you had decent cover art, you were almost guaranteed to be in the new and noteworthy section of whatever subcategory you chose for eight weeks. Hmm. So we got that. 
The College Info Geek podcast, which is the previous name of the show, was in the new and noteworthy for the uh, higher education area in iTunes for eight full weeks. So that was kind of like a, a way to get the, the ball rolling. Yeah, I had the blog too. So the blog, I was able to like intersperse podcast episode show notes with my blog posts. So people who were more serious than just your average like finds the site through Google person, people who like followed the RSS feed or would go to the homepage to see what's new, they would see podcast episodes. But uh, that new and noteworthy thing was cool. It got us some initial listeners. Now, that's not a thing. And it hasn't been a thing for like, how many years has it been? Six years, probably. So now, like, if you put a podcast out there and you don't already have a platform, you are shouting into the ether. And here's the problem with podcasts. I guess it's like the double-edged sword of podcasts. No other media form besides maybe writing a book will get you as much time of spent like a person paying attention to you per session. Uh, yeah. Like a YouTube video, the average time is, I don't know, four minutes that someone will pay attention on average. A blog post, average time on page for most posts is like less than four minutes. A podcast, I actually have data on this now. Because it used to be like, you know, podcasting is so decentralized. There was no good analytics for retention. People just download the files and listen to it. So really all you got is anecdotal. Hey, I listen to your whole podcast every week. Um, I just, I just today upgraded us to the new Google podcast studio thing where you manage your podcasts and, uh, it has retention. Really? It has the same retention graph you get on YouTube. And I was like, I've been waiting for this for years. Now it's only a hopefully representative sample because it's only the people who listen via YouTube music and Google podcasts, which is not, not even near the majority. Most people are still through Spotify and uh, Apple podcasts, but the average was 30 minutes. And a lot of people finish the whole episode, even if it's like an hour and 40 minutes, like it is for us half the time. Yeah. So you get a lot of people listening. The problem is this super long form, very inaccessible audio file is not easily shareable. You can do some things to try to make it shareable. Like we, we've created little Instagram snippets before, you know, one minute, just a little thing from the uh, an episode. Um, I think filming your podcast helps with that because video is inherently more shareable than just audio. Uh, you can do transcripts of your episodes. Um, I think the way Listen Money Matters does it is actually the best where they create a podcast episode. And then instead of doing like show notes like we do, which are basically just timestamps or a full transcript. What they do is they create an article out of the podcast and the article is optimized for SEO. So really they're just sort of marrying a podcast episode with a well-written article and making that like one big thing. But uh, when, if you're starting out and you have nothing else, a podcast is hard to grow unless you build it around something where there's very little competition, but there is a lot of interest. So maybe there's a brand new show that comes out, like say season two of The Witcher comes out. Uh, If you were like first out of the gate with a season two Witcher episode reactions podcast, maybe that would get some initial listeners. But if you're like, I'm going to do a podcast where I interview inspiring online entrepreneurs about their journeys. Well, there's already 500 billion gazillion guys who are doing that. And they all interviewed each other. And they all interviewed each other. That's so... It's all just a big cabal. (laughs) 
and uh, you're really just you're you're giving yourself no opportunity to stand out, and you're doing it in a medium that isn't easy to share. On YouTube, uh, there is a built-in algorithm. Yeah, our editor Tony just started a new channel, uh, maybe like four months ago, and he's already got he's got one video up at twenty five thousand views, and he's got at least three over ten thousand, and this is just purely organic i don't really share his content because i don't have an audience that wants android reviews it's just people are searching for like hey i have a galaxy tab s6 what's the s7 going to be like boom he comes up gets a bunch of views podcasting there's no crazy yeah, recommendation people, like, algorithm who's going to find this episode other than people subscribed mm-hmm. so just know like in terms of lateness uh, a podcast has a lot of great benefits for you but in terms of building an audience I see it as a supplemental thing. We don't gain audience members from the podcast. We gain them from YouTube. We gain them from uh, SEO and we gain them from social media. And then they find the podcast through those channels and they get more involved and they pay more attention. But I don't think we're building an audience to the podcast. Yeah, like maybe maybe the audience can become, maybe they'll they'll like us more or become more loyal to paying attention to whatever we're doing through the Mm -hmm. podcast because they hang out for an hour. You, listener, are, you know, part of that they probably. Yeah. But no one's going to find this if they didn't already know it was there. Well, okay. Not in the the same numbers. Yeah, not the same numbers. As anything that could be more an effective use. There probably are going to be some listeners, and I'm sure we'll hear from them, who will say, you know, I found the podcast first. Um, Many of them probably got, like, it's word of mouth. Just a friend said, hey, I like this podcast. Check it out. Uh, maybe some of them did see it in a list somewhere. Um, maybe. W- one thing that I did a long time ago, which I think was fairly smart, was I created a blog post that just listed a lot of the ed- best educational podcasts. And our educational podcast is in that list. It's the same way I market my music. I have a ultimate study music playlist on YouTube and my study music is in there. Is it? a little bit braggadocious to put your own music in the ultimate study music playlist. Yes, it is. And that's how you market. You put your stuff out there and you say it's good. Yeah. And if people say that actually sucks, then, you know, maybe take it off. But, uh, nobody said that yet. The response has generally been pretty good. Well, that's probably good. You know, and when it comes to publications, like publishing a list of the best, anything when it comes to objective art, it's just the curator's opinion. If you look at the impressionist painters back in their day, they weren't anything special, but there was one, I mean, they were like, they, they were kind of well known, but they weren't like known like they are now. There was one rich dude. He was also an impressionist painter. I forget his name. His work really didn't make waves in the art world, but he was super rich. So he put together this museum, a private collection and put up all his friends paintings in there. And the ones he chose often weren't even the ones that were the best reviewed ones. But because he curated them and because he was rich and had a lot of connections, nowadays, those are the paintings we think of as like the best of the best. And that's why Manet and Monet and all these people are household names. Because somebody with power and connections and money decided to curate. And their word became the law of the land, essentially. Hmm. Never heard that. That's cool. Yeah, there's a book called uh, Hitmakers. It's like a, the kind of digging into I mean, like how things sense. become a hit. 
Um, interesting book, actually. It might be worth reading for people who want to get into this whole media business. Hmm. Anyway, uh, let's go to the next question because okay, I think so, I talked for like um, 20 minutes on one question. <laughs> well, that's good because we've got a whole bunch more. Is it better to do a solo podcast or have a co-host? Do what you want. Uh, solo podcast makes you better at monologuing. Having a co-host can make it easier and can make it more conversational. Yeah, more hangout-y. The, the reason that we do it the way we do it is the, at least, I mean, maybe you agree here, but the show I wanted to build mirrors the shows I tend to listen to a lot of the time, which are like hanging out essentially. Yeah. Well, at least the shows I used to listen to because like Listen Money Matters. I was a fan before I became the co-host and I liked it because I liked the banter between Andrew and Matt. I like the banter on other shows too. So I'm like, I want to build that. And it does make it easier. You know, when I do a YouTube video, I sit there and flub lines all day long because I'm talking to a camera. When I'm talking to you, I'm just talking. Yeah, it, it does come a lot more naturally mm -hmm. if you have the right co-host in mind. Yeah, that's true. You could also make it terrible with a co-host if you pick the wrong one. Yeah, let's let's say that a co-host makes it more complicated because now there is interplay. And depending on what your co-host is like, like you're both coming into the show. So now the show is whatever you both make it. Whereas if you make your own show, it's, you know, perfectly yours. Yeah. So really ask yourself what you want to do. Do I want to do like a, a something like Serial or Business Wars where I am essentially going and doing like journalism and telling a story? Then do that. Do I want to have a really conversational thing? Well, then have a co-host or do interviews. Though doing interviews is much harder than having a co-host. Yeah. I learned because I don't do them anymore. I don't like doing them. But uh, I did interviews for the majority of my episodes from the beginning of the podcast until probably episode like 110. Most of those are interviews. That is a skill because it's not the same person you're coming and talking to every week. It's a new person every time. And you're not just talking to them. You're trying to put on a show. Some guests are great and they, know, they understand it or they're just really entertaining and you can just sort of let them go. Uh, some guests, it's like pulling teeth. They'll stutter a lot, have a lot of vocal pauses, or you'll ask them a question and they'll just say, uh-huh, yes. <laughs> yeah. So it is really that's, a skill. That's what we're looking for. You know, you look at somebody like uh, Larry King, you're like, well, what, he, what does he do for a living? He just talks to people. Like, no, no, no. He puts on a show. He's an entertainer and he creates entertainment out of conversations with people who may not be practiced at being entertaining in conversation. That's a skill. This week's episode of our show is brought to you by our friends over at Skillshare, which is an awesome online learning library full of thousands of classes you can use to boost your skills in a ton of different areas. They've got classes on music production, which you could use to learn how to produce a podcast. Mm, actually. That you could. And you know what? I didn't plan on recommending this specific course when I planned this ad, but I'm going to do it anyway. There's a guy named Young Guru who has produced a lot of albums for a lot of really famous rappers. And he's got a, a class on Skillshare all about the basics of audio production. So EQ, compression, your total basic audio editing uh, technologies. And the thing is, music editing and podcast editing, they share a lot of similarities. And the fun thing is podcast editing, I, I think, is much, much easier. With music, you're trying to get things to fit in the mix. There's all kinds of kicks and snares and weird things, side chaining. With podcasting, there's just a voice, maybe some intro music. But... 
those fundamentals are very important to learn. If you want to make sure that your voice is even in terms of the volume level for the listener the entire time, learning compression is very important. If you want to shape the character of your voice, learning EQ is very important. So Young Guru's class on Skillshare is a great way to learn that. But I do have to also recommend the class that I originally planned because I don't want to leave it out. My friend Nathaniel Drew just came out with a new class all about finding your voice online. So if you want to get into YouTube or you want to make a podcast, you're not really sure what you're supposed to be doing, you know, what kind of topic you want to talk about or how to sort of stand up from the crowd while still being authentic. Nathaniel's course is something you're definitely going to want to check out. And if you want to get a free trial on Skillshare to take Nathaniel's class, to take Young Guru's class, to take either of my classes, which you've probably heard me talk about in the past. If you haven't, I'll just let you find out what they are. You can go over to Skillshare.com slash Inforium. And if you're one of the first 1000 people to do that, you're going to get a free trial. Once again, Skillshare.com slash Inforium. Be one of the first 1000 to get a free trial and take as many classes as you want during that trial. Big thanks as always to Skillshare for sponsoring this episode and being a supporter of our show. And another huge thanks goes out to our second sponsor this week, which is brilliant. If you are somebody who wants to improve your mastery in the areas of math, science, or computer science, Brilliant is a resource you are going to want to check out. They have a class library of more than 60 different courses all about these topics. They have a full math suite ranging from the basics of number theory to algebra and going all the way up to high-level probability, high-level calculus, differential equations, math for quantitative trading and finance if you want to get into some really crazy finance stuff. They've got science courses like gravitational physics and classical mechanics and computer science courses like one on how to uh, actually build Build your own little mini search engine that will also help you to learn how big search engines like Google work. They've also got courses on, uh, you know, basic algorithm design, all kinds of great stuff to learn if you want to get into programming. And the best thing about Brilliance courses is they're all very built around the concept of active learning. Instead of just getting into passively reading walls of text or watching videos, they immediately throw you into bite-sized sequences of challenges that get you learning actively right away, which means it's a great complement to textbooks that you're reading or video courses that you're taking. It's something that gets you working right away. So if you want to start learning, you can be one of the first 200 people to go over to brilliant.org slash Inforium and sign up. And if you are among the first 200, you're going to get 20% off their annual premium subscription. Once again, brilliant.org slash Inforium. And as always, huge thanks to Brilliant for sponsoring this episode and supporting everything we do here at College Info Geek. And let's get back into the show. Well, if I jump one question ahead, we've got, how do you start a good initial conversation with your interviewee? Ooh, that's a good so, question. How do you start it right in the beginning to make sure that it's a good show? Uh, do your research on the person. I cannot tell you how many low effort podcasts I've been on and they're just like, so what do you do? And, and you can tell that they really haven't dug in. So do your research. But I think this is part of the skill and maybe this is my preference. I don't go in with a bunch of prepared questions because I've seen a lot of podcasts like that. Um, Entrepreneur on fire is, is this to a T and some people like it, but he basically has a set of questions. He asks every guest. Same questions. Uh, as far as I remember, like borderline, either, there's it, a skeleton pretty much outline for yeah, each one. And maybe it's not the same question every time, but it's pretty templated. That's not what I like. I like organic conversations. So if I tell you a story about something, I don't, if I'm listening to a story about something, I don't want the interview to be like, cool. All right, here's my next question for you. I want them to dig into that. Well, that's interesting. What was that like? 
Yeah. And, and then what did the rhino do? <laughs> There's a rhino you're there supposed rhino to ask. There, I've right? heard that a good interviewer needs to know when the interviewee wants to talk and you need to just let them. Yeah. Because it's not about it's not about you. That's the point. A good interviewer knows that they're not the star. Yep, that's another thing. I've I've listened to a lot of podcasts where it's an interview style show, but the host is treating it like an opportunity for them to show how smart they are. Like you're just gonna you're <laughs> trying to impress a celebrity on your show and that's your Yeah. That's the show. Let's see if they liked me. Or they'll, they'll ask the guest a question, the guest will say their experience, and then like every time the response is you know, either one upmanship or like, yeah, I did this. And they'll go into like a whole long story, but what they did. And it's like, well, the listeners here, what did you market the episode as? Most times, if it's an interview style show, it's, hey, I got Tim Ferriss on my podcast. And we're going to talk about his experience uh, doing tango dancing in Chile. Well, that's what I came here for, you know? Yeah. And I'm not saying you, you can't let any of your personality into it. But there's a balance to be struck. And I think the balance is, you know, maybe 10, 20% you, 80% the guest. Yeah. If they've got a story about a rhino they're trying to tell, it's no longer about what you wanted from the episode. It's mm -hmm. have them talk about a rhino. Let I think questions rhino. for that are like a backup for when you can't think of anything spontaneously. At least that's how I always view job interviews. Mm -hmm. Like I've got a couple questions for when they inevitably ask if I have questions, but yeah. hopefully I come up with better questions that are more uniquely suited to the conversation I just had. Yeah. Um, go, go listen to people who are good interviewers like Joe Rogan or like Tim Ferriss. And, and Tim is interesting because Tim often will ask questions that they're not the typical question you would ask. And they get a bit of a more interesting response. So one that I think of right now, I don't know if he asked this question, but I like this question. Um, typical question would be like, what's your favorite movie? What I like to ask is what's a movie that may not be your favorite, but that you can play and repeat over and over and over again. And I'll actually, I'll ask you that question because that's interesting. Or maybe you don't even have the, uh, the um, old Disney Winnie the Pooh movie. I remember that one. Yeah. I've got a I've got a series of like comfort movies and that's one of them where I could just it it just feels like cozy in the background. Mm -hmm. It sets it sets it's like an album. It's like having an album on. Yeah. And I can't get sick of it. It's probably not your it's favorite not, movie. And it's not emotionally stressful. Mm -hmm. You know, if there like if there's a movie like a comic book movie, any of the Marvel stuff or the Dark Knight or something, there are parts of those movies that will stress me out. So I can't play yeah. them on repeat over and over. I don't like feeling stress. Yep. Well, I know one of your favorite movies is Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah, but I can't watch just... that movie all the time. <laughs> that's not a movie. It's creepy play. and stressful and sad at times. And mm -hmm. it's it's upsetting and it's great, but I can't repeat it. Yeah. That's an interesting question. I didn't even know my own answer at first. Yeah, but we, that's that's the good word for it. Winnie the Pooh is it's comfortable. Yeah, I just like also Emperor's New Groove. I would agree with that one. Never yep. stop. Yeah, that one you could just you could put it on Top Gun from the but top. Yeah, that that's a good question because it like I had to think about it. Mm -hmm. And if you get somebody you're interviewing thinking about it, it might also loosen them up a little bit. If it's something, especially something fun like that. Yeah, it wasn't like what's your secret to being super ultra crazy good <laughs> at stuff, and then I got to be stressed out hoping I give the right advice. Mm -hmm. There are no stakes for me saying what movies I might repeat. Yeah. Or like, uh, what's a job that you would love to do that you, that like, you wouldn't go to college for, or if you're not, if you weren't doing this, like, what would you want to do? Cause like one that comes to yeah. mind for me is, uh, 
I would be like a bicycle delivery person. Oh, that'd be cool. Just run around that's, delivering that's stuff. Fair. That'd be fun. Yeah. That's fair. For me, uh, it's Ocean's Eleven. Not my favorite movie. There's way too much stuff going on in there. I can't do that. <laughs> I don't know what it is. There's there's really no violence in the movie. So there's there's really not. I mean, it's stressful in certain ways, but there's no violence. It's just slick. Like everything kind of goes. It's not that everything goes without, without a hitch, but like just the way they construct it. And I love how heist movies do this. They don't say the plan and then go film the plan. They yeah, they say they the plan the and they're same. doing it. So you're just getting tricked. I'm like, oh, well, it's already happened. This is cool. I don't know. There's something about, uh, I've, I've really never been in casinos before, but like movies about casinos, they're just fun to me. I don't know what it is. I have like zero desire to gamble. Yeah. But anything about a casino is like, oh, I, I just like it. I don't know why. Maybe it's all the flashing lights and colors. And there's always like 70s heist music. <laughs> There are a lot of good ones in that in that genre. Yeah. Hmm. Now I'm just thinking about movies, but that's an interesting. The thing is, you want to you want to get the interviewee to open up, and not just ask them questions they probably heard on the last 80 podcasts that interviewed them this week. Yeah. Everybody knows the answer to those. They've already given them. So something I used to do when I would interview is I would hit the record button the moment the Skype call got on, and usually like there's the before before interview chit chat. Yeah. And I wouldn't always do this, but sometimes I'd be like, you know, this conversation we've been having is great. You might if we just like roll into the interview right here. And they always be like, oh, sure. You know, and sometimes it's it's not great. So I will just, I'll cut that out and I'll be like, let's get into the interview. Hey, what, how's it going? Howard Stern. I never interviewed Howard <laughs> Stern. <laughs> Gary Vaynerchuk. The, dude, interviewing Gary V on my seventh episode of the podcast. That was, that was wild. Yeah. He was doing something where no he pressure. was like, I want to be on a podcast every day for an entire year to market jab, 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 right hook. And hey, I guess it worked because I'm talking about it right now. But the funny thing is he, I think he got tired of it after a couple of months because he stopped and canceled it. And then a few months later, his assistant called me and she's like, hey, do you still want Gary Vee on your podcast? Yes. She's like, great. He's going to call you probably like from the back of a cab on his way to a meeting or something. And I'm like, uh, okay. I don't know how to record phone calls. So I had to teach myself how to record a phone call. I think I bought Skype credit so I could have him call me on Skype and then I recorded it that way. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, all right. Next question. Next question. Next question. Is, interviewer. Um, well, you just mentioned the weird Skype call method. What would you recommend for recording a podcast with people in different locations like we did mm. when we were when i was back in my my house and you were here yeah we were doing it remotely or for a with while. somebody else if you've if you've done stuff with people maybe farther away because the internet could be a bigger issue if you're on different coasts yeah than if you're down the street so um there are a few tools that exist for this now used to be more of a pain but now there are uh sites like zencaster which I think is like Zen and then Caster, but they took the last E out of there. Yeah, it's just like TR Twitter. at the end. Zen Caster. And Squadcast is another one I haven't used, but I know it's a competitor. We used Zencaster. It works pretty well. Uh, so what we did is we would be on Zoom and we'd talk that way, but then we would use Zencaster to record. And what that app does is it records on each person's computer individually which is great because when I used to have to record, I had a piece of software that would record the Skype call. But sometimes 
the uh, the guest's audio quality wasn't very good because either their internet was great or it wasn't great or mine wasn't great for a certain reason. So like their audio quality would be crap and Skype would compress it. Zencaster records like locally, basically. But then when you hit that you're done, it lets the host download the file for each person. So you get a file for you and a file for your guest and however many guests you have, they're all the exact same length and then you can throw them into your editing program. Yeah, and when you, sync them up. when you hit record, like it started recording for yep. both of our tracks. Like I just watched it start whenever you hit the button. Yeah, I just, I send you an invite link. You get in there, you name yourself some weird thing like I did, Frog Dad or I did something. treat it like Jackbox games and yep. come up with a new name every time. <laughs> this is true. But yeah, when I hit record, it's recording. You can see the waveforms. <laughs> it's great. It's gotten so much easier now if you want to do video i don't think zencaster records video for each side so what we did is we each had a camera because i believe in quality and then you would send me like an eight gigabyte file over the internet over like google drive takes a little bit it does take a little bit that does work uh if you wanted to pay for a better tool frame.io is faster for that purpose Uh, but zoom does have recording I just don't know how good Zoom's audio recording is. We haven't tried that, but I know that you can record yeah. a Zoom call with video. And I've also heard of people, I don't, I'm not sure how, because I'm kind of new to the program, but doing podcasts through Discord recordings as well. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So yeah, there's all kinds of I don't stuff. know much about it, but there are a lot of options. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I know like uh, Disguise Toast uses Discord conversations for his Among Us games that he records. So... Yeah, there's um, probably a bunch of ways, but the one I'm going to recommend right now is Zencaster. Yeah. And then since I'm using this as research for my podcasting video, go watch that because I'm going to have a more solid set of recommendations. Yeah. If you don't know which one to pick, there will probably be a direct, Mm -hmm. like clear answer there. The the thing you're going to run into if you're trying to film is most DSLR cameras, mirrorless cameras are going to have that 30 minute, excuse me, record limit. So uh, you either need to be like, all right, we're going to hit the button again. Or, you know, you want to find a camera that doesn't have that. Um, phones yeah. don't. Put yeah, phone I, on I definitely just airplane filmed mode, though. With, my, with my phone before. You got to do it on airplane mode. If you get a call, it'll stop the recording. Ruin your day. Or you get a video camera. So we're using uh, Canon cinema cameras at this point. But at, for the longest time, our old set, we used... What are they like Canon Vixia G100 or 1000s or something like that? I don't remember the exact. Too many numbers. They're about a thousand bucks a piece. So kind of an investment if you're just starting. But, you know, we had been podcasting for years and we wanted to get into video. And I looked at the H3 podcast and they were using, I think they were using C200s. Three of them. And a C200 is $6,500. So I'm like, I don't want to spend 20 grand on three cameras to record the podcast. So I went out and spent three grand instead. And those Vixias are pretty good. They're not cinema grade cameras. They're not even going to get as good a quality as the DSLR, but they're decent. Um, you know, just over time I've invested in gear. Now we have two cinema cameras and I, it's funny because we will eventually have three. I'm going to buy the C70 when it comes out. Obviously. Well, so the C70 is going to have the 4k 120, and it's going to have a body that will actually fit in a gimbal. So got to get that. Be careful with starting a podcast if you're the type of person who wants to buy new toys. 
Yeah, I have bad Same gear applies acquisition. Same to videography and photography. Oh, it's worse for the, videography. If you're just doing videos, all of this stuff becomes very expensive. Mm-hmm. Here's, here's my stake in the mud, though. If you want to grow a podcast, number one, you got to focus on interesting content above all. But when we're talking about technical things, we're talking about ways to market yourself, do it on video. You know, and maybe start with audio if you're afraid to be on video. But if you're like, how do I market this thing? How do I grow it? I really want to grow it. I'm willing to do whatever. Do it on video because that gives you the opportunity to build a YouTube channel around it. You know, our our YouTube channel for the podcast doesn't get nearly as many views on an average episode that a that the audio feed does. It's yeah. like twenty thousand to twenty five thousand on the audio feed, maybe four thousand if we're lucky on the YouTube feed, but our most viewed podcast on YouTube has more views than anything on the audio feed. So it just got weirdly discovered. Yep. Through YouTube for some reason. That episode I did on how to start a coffee shop where I interviewed a coffee shop owner. I think on YouTube it has like 120,000 views and I'm pretty sure we don't have a single episode in the audio feed that's been downloaded a hundred thousand times. I want to say our top episode is probably near in like 70K. And I think it's a deep work one with uh, Cal Newport. Yeah, so if you put in the extra effort to get a video one, then that previous question about whether it's too late to start a podcast, it may be a little more friendly to you. You can find more of an audience mm-hmm. if you have uh, topics that people are going to search for. Now, I have to eat my words a little bit. I just realized something. That one on YouTube is not I'm not on video it's actually it's uh, the spinning, we have a little graphic thing yep. going on in the background it's so the spinning record graphic. like you don't even have to film it necessarily but having it available yeah and so there there are YouTube. like podcast hosts like simplecast i'm not sure if they've launched this yet but they've been touting this feature where it's like a it's a tool where you can identify a snippet of your podcast it's like 15 seconds 30 seconds and it will share it on social media with like a play button so there are things coming out where it's like, you know, it's getting a bit easier to share little bite-sized pieces of content that could grow your audience. But if you do it on video, especially if you're on camera, you can create little Instagram snippets, Twitter snippets, whatever, and it's easier to share. Yeah. You know, people look at human faces. That's just what we do. So. All right. Uh, Load. Next thing. Next thing would be. Next clay pigeon. That's mean to pigeons. They're and, clay pigeons. Um, they don't have feelings. They have clay feelings. That's that's <laughs> not nice. Oh, it reminds um, me of that one Batman animated series episode. The one with the little girl about? that Robin meets and they're like uh, friends. And then you realize she's like running from her dad. And then you realize that they're both just aspects of Clayface. It's like an aspect of Clayface that escaped. Uh, spoilers for this episode that I did not see. <laughs> from the 90s. Yeah. Um, do you recommend scripting the podcast or just setting a general structure and freestyling general structure, unless you are doing like a narrative journalism kind of podcast, like uh, like serial. I'm pretty sure serial was scripted. Um, one of my favorite podcasts right now is called business wars and business words wars is very, very obviously scripted. It's the only bit, podcast I listen to is scripted, actually. Which one? The Anthropocene Reviewed. That's scripted? Like word for word? Yeah, I think, I think I he actually was... sits down and writes it. 
And then uh, there's going to be a book, actually. Oh, okay. Of a bunch of them. Yeah. So I guess like the, the thing to consider here is podcasting is really just like sharing audio files on the internet. So what is the thing you're trying to create? Are you trying to create a conversation with another person? Don't script yeah, that. You, you shouldn't. It's that would be one. so terrible. We should do one episode where we <laughs> just <laughs> Hi, Martin. Re- Welcome to the Inforium. Cards. Today, we are going to talk about See how that the goes. value of scripting. No one will ever listen to another episode. Yeah. I mean, I script YouTube videos sometimes. And what I found is I have to do like a horrible, frustrating take of the video that I hate. And then I'll come back the next day and it's like sunk in, like, you know, practicing my lines as an actor. But with a podcast, that's long, you know? Yeah. So I would only script if you're trying to do something narrative, you know, like you're, you're, reading fiction or you're doing some sort of narrative journalism or something like that. Otherwise, if you're trying to do something more, more conversational, I would either work off an outline, work off a list of questions or have a conversation. It's the same thing I did for speeches and speech class. If I outlined or prepared it too much, I would freeze up or perform it robotically. Mm-hmm. It would all fall apart if I did one thing in the wrong order. Yeah. And then I'd be like, I don't actually know where to, what do I do now? But mm-hmm. if the less I prepared, as long as I had enough of a skeleton to get me back into it. Yeah. It was better that way. I will give a tip when it comes to outlines. Your audience will never know what you didn't say. And by that, I mean, if you skip something in your outline, as long as it was not essential to the through line, they're never going to know you didn't say it. Yeah. So, so if it's not that know. important, just I've, I've given speeches. I went to a uh, school in, I think it was like, uh, What's that really pretty town in Iowa up in like the east, northeast part? I can't think of the Iowaville. name. Iowaville. Iowaville. Yeah, we'll I think call it, it that was one. Iowaville. No, it's the one that has the really famous brewery. And people who live there are going to punch me for this, not knowing the name of their I'm, town. I'm bad at knowing I just, Iowa I'm brain town farting names. On it. And yes, I'm, I'm from Iowa. I'm just still bad at this. Yeah, well, I was giving a talk there that I was paid to do and I uh, had my outline. I practiced it and I was doing the, the talk and I realized during my speech that I had forgotten to say a line or like a segment that I had planned and that was too late. And I realized, well, they don't know I planned it. There's not like a bunch of check boxes on the screen. They check, check. You know, maybe if I had a slide that I went to and I forgot to say the thing, then they're going to know. But if I, there's no slide, they just don't know. Yeah. And if you make a point to be like, well, actually I forgot this part of my speech. So remember when I was talking about this, we're going to go back there for a second. Everyone's going to make it all, you're going to make it all weird. Everyone's going to hate you for being human and making a mistake and being open about that. Nope. They want perfect, flawless, bombastic performance. Yeah, definitely bombastic. It's got to be bombastic. We got to have circus music, you know, like Batman forever circus part like that. Tommy really on, you're really on Batman today. And I brought up the dark Knight (laughs) earlier. So I don't. I guess this episode is secretly about Batman references. What I'm saying is, if you want to do a good podcast, you have to be Batman. Okay. Well, if you are Batman, this might help. But do I need clout before I start reaching out to other creators? Hmm. This is a good question. Batman can do it, but what about what about the other person? You don't need clout to start reaching out to people in general, but you do need to realize that a podcast is a time investment. And for many people, there is a bit of transactional, I guess like a transactional aspect to it, where the expectation is if I go on your podcast, you know, it's kind of like promotion for something. Yeah. I got my first taste of this when I first started my podcast. 
my first guest was Leo Viedreich, who was the co-founder of Buffer. And uh, he just said yes, like straight up. But he had guest posted on CIG before. So it's actually kind of funny. Like Buffer is this huge company now. And my friend Colleen works there. Yeah. And they have like over 100 employees. Um, I knew the guys who started Buffer when they were just starting. Like they were two guys in college and their marketing strategy was just like guest posts on as many blogs as possible. And mine was one of them. Uh, but the second one, uh, a guy named Dan Shawbell had a personal brand, uh, personal branding book and blog. And he was kind of like well-known in the personal branding space. So I reached out to him and I'm like, Hey, I've got this podcast. I would love to do an interview with you about personal branding. And as he responded pretty quickly and he was like, yes, as long as I can promote my new book coming out this, this, this date, like you had to cross that T immediately. Make sure. Can I promote mm, my new thing? That coming content out? had to be part of the, yep. Part of the focus, you know? And the funny thing is like, I don't know how many, how many listeners I had back then. Uh, but I know like as time went on, I refined my pitch and I would, if it was a, you know, big person who I knew was busy and had a big platform or they were, you know, had a lot of people reaching out, I would say, Hey, you know, I've got this podcast. We get 10,000 downloads per episode. It's all students who are, you know, focused on being more productive and they're trying to be successful. A lot of ambitious students. And usually that would get people pretty interested. You've already declared your niche and how it might be useful to them. Yeah. But I knew like reaching out to people who either had a big platform or they were already well known, they're busy. They have a lot of people vying for their attention. So I have to be competitive with that. But if it's just somebody who's going to be interesting because, you know, they're into something that you're interested in and maybe they don't have a big platform, then you don't need clout. You're a fellow creator. You were talking about the, the coffee shop episode. That's interesting because it's not the kind of person you generally hear yep. on a podcast interview. And they were probably just like, well, that's a cool thing to be asked to do. Yeah. Okay. I wonder if I could find my pitch. I'm trying to, th- I'm trying to think of his name. I think it was like Dale something. And it's like not even an issue of clout. They're perfectly successful in their own right. Just not in, it's just not an obvious podcast yeah. choice. So you could reach out to that kind of person and interview the kind of people you don't hear on every other podcast. Yeah, I would. I would love to see more of that. That would be really interesting. Love to see more of that. I I, do, I know about morning routines already. I've made a few of my own, and interviewing a bunch of people for that, if they're all going to sound basically the same because they've all based their morning routine off of the Productivity World's morning routines. I don't know. Yeah. But what about the coffee shop owner's morning routine? They probably have to be in the store early if they go yep. there. Like, what's going on there? That's different. Okay. Do you want me to read it? Do it. I sent this May 17th, 2016. So I've been running my podcast for a few years, but he's a coffee shop owner, you know? So he's not somebody who's like looking for podcast clout. Uh, Hi, Dale. Would you be interested in in being a guest on a podcast for college and high school students? My name is Thomas Frank, and I run the College Info Geek podcast, a show that's mainly focused on helping students do better in high school and college and be prepared for their future careers. Occasionally, I've interviewed people who have had really cool jobs that interest students, like published authors and animator, professional speakers, etc. And those episodes are always a ton of fun. When I started work this morning, I remembered a friend of mine from college who said she wanted to open her own coffee shop after graduating. My only advice for her at the time was go work in a successful coffee shop, learn all you can, and try to learn about business in your free time. And while I'd assume that's probably still good advice, it'd be awesome to talk to somebody who has experience doing it. The reason I'm reaching out to you is simple. Park Avenue, and this is his coffee shop, Park Avenue Coffee. 
Park Avenue's latte is the best I've ever had. And I've spent and I spent quite a lot of time in coffee shops in New York City, San Diego, Portland, Tokyo, etc. I was just in St. Louis over the weekend to visit City Museum, and I ended up going to both of your locations while I was there, downtown first in Lafayette before heading back home. I also thought you might be a great guest since your business has multiple locations, so you've got experience ranging from starting small to expanding and managing a good number of employees. If you're up for it, let me know and we can get a time scheduled. No rush. Episodes are usually 20 or 30 to 60 minutes. So yeah, and clearly it worked. Yeah. First first thing was, yep, thanks for the nice comments on our latte. That made my day. I'd be honored to be on your podcast. So reach out, ask. Um, you know, part of my pitch was like personal experience. I've been to your coffee shop. I love the latte. It was so good. And I seriously like it was the best latte I've ever had still to this day. Yeah. And they probably want to talk about that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I I noticed here that in this pitch, I didn't mention the size of my podcast. And he didn't ask. So it could have been brand new, could have been nothing. Could have been anything. Could have been first episode. I've got I'm starting a podcast. Uh I will give some context from the guest side though, because a lot of people reach out to me to be a guest. Um the first thing I'll say is I'm often just very busy, overwhelmed with my own projects. So if I say no to you, it's not necessarily because I don't want to be on your podcast. It's the thing we talked about in the FOMO episode last week. Everything I say yes to is an opportunity cost. Yeah. I'm going to lose out on something. So I can't, I can't always say yes because I've got other goals that I'm trying to, you know, to do. Um, come on, face ID. The other thing though is I get a lot from people who are like, hey, my name is Dale. Not Dale. Like, that's Dale. I don't know why I thought of Dale again. <laughs> my, name is, my name is Bryson and I'm going to start this podcast called Success Cast. And, uh, I've been thinking of starting it, you know, and I want to, I want to, I want to interview inspiring entrepreneurs and, um, I'm probably going to launch it like January. Can I get an episode with you? Like, so you can be part of the launch and I've gotten a ton of these and I've done a few of them and then either they never publish it or they'll publish it. And then like they stop the podcast after like five episodes. They haven't even proven that they're yeah going to like keep it going the distance. Yeah. So, you know. Sometimes because I have to care about opportunity cost, if, you know, if Joe Rogan comes calling, like, I got to say yes to that. If you don't have an audience, there may be an opportunity cost reason I can't say yes. Or maybe your pitch is the exact same as every other one else's podcast. I want to hear about your entrepreneurial journey. Okay. Let me link to you, link you to five other podcasts where I said that. But if you, if you're, Hey, I know you really like this one obscure anime. Well, I want to talk about your favorite anime on a podcast. I would probably say yes to that. Yeah. Even if it was like, you have no audience, I would probably say yes to that, but it's always like the same pitch. You know, I want to talk about your journey or I want to talk about your tips for productivity. I'm like, well, I've already talked about that on my channel, which has more followers than you. And because of YouTube's recommendation algorithm, if I make a better video and if I spend the hour, I would have spent talking to you on a video, I'll get more followers that way. So how can you uniquely pitch me? Because asking me to give productivity tips on your platform, that's very tiny the math there doesn't check out. Yeah. But if you're like, Hey, I really want to talk about your interest in rollerblading or skateboarding or whatever it is. Like I'm kind of going to be down for that. You know, that's exactly Interview me about I was music. on that other one. Yeah. You were because like, because honestly, language. like I'm not getting asked to be on tons of podcasts mm-hmm. because most people would know me from this and not the YouTube channel, which is yeah. way bigger. But my default answer would be, I don't want to talk more. Like that's just a podcast episode I could do for this podcast. I don't, mm-hmm. But then Language. Well, I want to talk more about language. Sure. Ask me some cool language questions because that's fun for me. Yep. 
that's that's not work. I'm not making connections. It's just fun. And I just remembered. So my agent, Dave, good friend of mine as well, has a podcast called Unprofessional. Um, and if you are a Nebula user, we have the new Nebula pro- podcast platform. So if you're listening to this on Nebula, just go over there and find Unprofessional. Dave is not a well-known podcaster. He's verified on Twitter, doesn't have that many followers. Like in the podcasting world, Dave isn't like, you know, hot shit. Weird Al Yankovic was on his podcast recently. (laughs) And here's the reason. Unprofessional is specifically a podcast where you cannot talk about your work. That's interesting. Yep. It is. They're not interviewing you about being Weird Al, about making music, about the media business. None of it. It's just... Let's talk about what what have you been doing recently? What have you been watching recently? What's a weird hobby that you have? That's what it is. So I would say, you know, if you want to break into podcasting in an interview style show, reach out to people and pitch them on a show that isn't about the thing everyone else pitches them about. Don't email me being like, hey, I want to talk about productivity tips. Email me be like, hey, let's talk about like your weird guitar style where you never learn any songs and you only play improv. Okay. I'll do that. And here's the thing I would bet. You're going to build an audience faster. Even if, even if you got people to say yes to an interview about the thing they always talk about, I think you're going to build an audience faster talking to people who are well-known about things they are not known for because you're bringing something unique to the table. Yeah. That already sounds like super interesting to me. Mm Mm-hmm. I would I would listen to a podcast where it's like celebrities, but they're talking about their favorite video games. Yeah, or you know, it's just like listen to the crap out of that. I can't even think of the name. Uh, I can't. It's Scarlett Johansson just talking about like her favorite groceries. Like, <laughs> I've, yeah, I've heard of that. Like one. that'd be that'd be great. I can't think of the name of it. You know, or come up with a unique idea. There was another one I heard of. Uh, I love this idea. It was two guys who uh, watched Grown Ups Two once a week every week and then had a podcast about it it's it's the same movie every time and they just slowly go insane (laughs) i I think the podcast is called like the worst idea ever or something like that i can't remember the name but it's great yeah it's weird so you want to hear it (laughs) because eventually you can you could probably build a small maybe you could get a few people on a productivity neutral sort of productivity thing but once they get more into it they need to be freshly into productivity yeah otherwise they will already have heard everything you have to say yeah i mean like 30 30 times and podcasts are long format in a video that's the you thing. can get the same tip in a different format and get something a little fresh from that 10 minutes and be like mm-hmm. ah well that's a perspective but it, i don't have like 12 hours today no. to give to hearing roughly the same thing yeah yeah it's just not there uh you know if, if you want to get into the productivity world in a podcast well, you're competing with our show, which is co- only kind of about productivity. You're yeah. competing with Productivityists. You're competing with Nat Chat. You're competing with David Allen's podcast. You're competing with Asian Efficiency. You're competing with all the business podcasts that talk about productivity half the time. Like, how do you stand out there? Well, maybe you interview all the productivity people about their favorite hair gel. I don't know. That's boring, but I like the video game idea. Yeah. Okay, well, one of the questions actually in here is how do you choose what it's about? So how do you make sure that that's going to work for you and that you're going to be able to keep it interesting? Because you could try to do a podcast like that, ask people about unprofessional stuff, but then maybe you just 
don't have any interesting questions to ask. So now it's just not about their work. Yeah. And it's still nothing. How do you get that synergy to where you can talk about this for hours and hours and hours with different people without burning out yourself? I mean, the big thing is I would, I would say, just try it, you know, try out ideas. Uh, and th- the beauty of the college info geek podcast was we've kind of done everything. We've done interviews, we've done monologues, we've done Q and a sessions. We did a done few video game playing episodes, some video game playing episodes. We've done in-depth philosophical discussion episodes. We've done book review episodes. We have the glue that holds all this together in that it's like for a certain group of people. And now the glue that holds it together, I think is it's, it's you and I, Yeah, you know, and there, there is a group of people who are bound by a certain mindset, but it's no longer, Oh, we're in college. We're going through that experience together. It's, you know, you and I have a certain set of interests and ambitions and people who I guess can tolerate us uh, for whatever reason, <laughs> for whatever reason, tolerate all my weird Batman references, but also, you know, have similar ambitions and mindsets. That's the glue. You got to figure out what the glue is. And I think you just got to try stuff. You know, I can't tell you that you're, you are or aren't going to like interviewing people about their favorite video games. I can tell me that I wouldn't because I've done a hundred, 200 interviews. And I have learned that I don't like having a job where I interview people wouldn't matter what it's about i'm an introvert mm. so for me that's a that's an, so you just like dread the upcoming interview every time and you just like i gotta you know and there, there were definitely certain people where they made the interview so fun that it was just it was great like dale talking to dale was great or uh i remember when i was i was looking to buy my first car that i was gonna buy because my parents sold me forced me to buy their their old car when I was in high school. Um, so when I was ready to get rid of that and I went out to buy my Nissan, um, I reached out to these guys who ran a podcast called Everyday Driver. And I talked with them for so long that I had to split that into two episodes because it was just great. But, you know, for every one of those, there were two or three, especially on Listen Money Matters, where I'm like, All right, well, how much money do you spend every month? Or you know, talking to, uh, people who like have companies where I just have to force myself to care. Like, I think we interviewed the founder of like an insurance policy generator company, you know, and like nothing against their company, but I don't have any particular deep burning interest in insurance policies. I'm just running a personal finance podcast and insurance is a topic that should probably be on there. So we get a guest and I'm like, all right, it's my job to take a professional interest in insurance policies for an hour. Yeah. But that's not what I really want to do. So, you know, get out there and experiment. If you want to do narrative journalism stuff, do it. If you want to interview people, do it. Get out there, get experience, try it out. All right. How many test episodes did you record before launching? Not I, a single one. None? Because nope. I, I know blogging, I always used to remember being told you got to write 10, prove that you're going to do it. No. You just, nah. you just went for it? Just went for it. Uh, even the blog, like I, I had a list of topics, but it's not like I wrote five articles and then published. I wrote one article and I published it. And then the next day I wrote another article. All right. So go bravely into the unknown. Yeah. Uh, you may want to sit down and be strategic. If you have an idea for a podcast and you're like, well, is this going to work out? Um, interviewing, you know, famous people about their favorite, uh, Russian perestroika dolls 
maybe that's not a podcast that's going to last for very long because maybe there's like only one celebrity who is really into that and you just keep having them on it. Chris Pratt, you're back. <laughs> Nobody else likes these weird Russian dolls. I, did you get any new ones this week? No, but I'm back on the podcast. You know, that might not work out. But if, so yeah, if you can put a podcast idea and you can generate 10 episode titles for that, I think that's worth doing. There's actually been podcasts out there that are 10 episodes and that's it. I've thought about doing something like that before. There was, Some I think, people do a limited run. I think Seth Godin did one. I could be wrong, but I think Seth Godin did a podcast. It was called like Startup School or something. And it was, it was like 10 episodes and then that was it. And there's nothing wrong with doing a 10 episode podcast. I think like the, the fact that we're on episode 307 and Joe Rogan's on episode like 1500, people get this feeling that a podcast has to be a forever thing. Dude, if a podcast is 10 episodes, you just made an audiobook. Yeah. Good job. Go just do another like it's one. It's an informal audiobook. Mm-hmm. So I would say, you it's know, cool. if you can come up with the 10 ideas, don't have to do them. Just come up with that idea, but then just, just make it, make the first one, put it out there. I came up, you know, thinking back to it, the college info geek podcast, you wouldn't think the first episode of a podcast called college info geek would be about fitness, but it was, I was like, I want to do an episode about fitness. How do you stay fit in college? So I wrote an outline and I went through it and that was the first episode. Yeah, that's braver than I thought. And it reminds me of the time that I almost decided to do a solo podcast on language for 10 episodes. Talk myself right out of it for some reason. You could still do but it. Here, but here we are. Um, next question. Where was it? I lost it. Oh, this one's interesting. If one of the two of you are feeling down, do you postpone the episode? Like you're sad or something. And I, I will say that we've definitely postponed a couple. Mm-hmm. Like I've had a couple of friends die or when my dad died. I I know a lot of dead people. And, you know, and every time that happens, naturally, I'm like... I don't know that I can pretend to be kind of mildly upbeat today. Yeah. So if we do record today, I don't think the episode's going to be that motivating. I mean, it's not even like it could be for something more mundane than someone dying. We've had plenty of days where we plan to do two episodes. We'll do one and one or both of us will hit afternoon slump. And no, we're, yeah, we're just we're two. Just, I got nothing right now, you know? we've we've done episodes we've we've scrapped a couple of episodes because we just we're just sitting there like blanking i've like i've got nothing yeah, interesting to we say did it. we didn't feel good about it when it was done we'll spend a whole hour and a half recording something and be like you know we could do that better you got to be in the yeah. right mindset for the conversation to be good the third episode of the Inforium, we had a whole recording we scrapped it remember we did have to redo that now it was and that was partially on accident it was mostly my fault but the redo is much better the redo was so much better. I think we waited two weeks to redo it, which, you know, if you try to redo it the next day, you're now just trying to remember what you said and parrot it. But I think if you wait two weeks. Yeah, you like, don't you don't want to do that. It's the same reason I don't like outlining too much because yeah. then I'm I'm just trying to say pre thought up lines. Yep. And it becomes <laughs> becomes I, I'm, I'm going to deliver my zinger. It's yeah. going to be great. <laughs> I think what I said was this. It's it's pretty terrible when you do that. So it doesn't even have to be super sad. Just anything that would dampen the energy of the conversation might be enough to make a recording not worth it yep. that day. And it sucks when it happens. I hate letting stuff go to waste. But if you think about it, we're spoiled with podcasts. 
Do you know how much crap I film for a video that it's never sees the light of day? Yeah. With the podcast, like it wasn't always this way because we used to edit a lot, but now it is one to one. What we say is on the show. Yeah, good. For that better answers or for the worse. next question. We don't edit. And how easy is it to edit? It's not. <laughs> for one of the interview guests, I spent like five and a half hours cutting out vocal pauses. Mm-hmm. And you know, I don't blame them. It's not their fault. If you're not used to podcasts, you might be nervous. But yep. cutting out those vocal pauses to make the podcast sound tighter took so much effort. I don't even know if it was worth it. But <laughs> it probably wasn't. It hurt. <laughs> it hurt real bad. And I, I think it might feel a little more organic if it's not edited. So it depends on it depends on what you're trying to do, who is on the show. Um, there are people, maybe even the host, but a lot of times the guests where a good edit will really make it better. And this isn't to say like it's a bad guest. Sometimes a guest is in, they're fascinating, but maybe they go on too many tangents like I do. Or maybe they have too many vocal pauses. If you get an editor in there, they can work magic. They can turn a mediocre interview into something great. But not every podcast needs that. And it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. You really need to consider whether it it's it, going to pay off. You know, this show could maybe be better with editing. But this show is supposed to be an organic conversation. It's raw conversation. We don't cut it. Partly out of laziness. But partly because... Partly. I don't want, we have, we're on video. I don't want it jumping a bunch. You know, this is a conversation. Just let it be. Yeah. Let it flow. A lot of times people are putting this on in the background, you know, and now we, we kind of title our episodes a little bit more vaguely because I'm not trying to market our episodes as a get in, get a thing, get out. That's what the YouTube videos are for. Go to the YouTube video. You get three big ideas from James Clear's Atomic Habits and then you get out of there. It's distilled. It's, Mm -hmm. it's prepared. It's ready to go. Yep. This is this is just kind of us having a free form. We're brainstorming yeah. half the time, coming up with background. answers on the fly that we just remembered. Oh, wait, that connects really interestingly. Maybe we could do that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we research and stuff, but it's just not the same. A podcast My, is casual here. Yeah. When, when I think about the listener for this podcast, I don't think of somebody at a desk with a notebook open, like taking notes for the podcast. I think of somebody like on a bike ride or they're commuting to work and, you know, we're there hopefully giving something useful, but also just making your day a little bit more enjoyable. Yeah. That's the point. I hope that it's kind of like how I read productivity books and anything that's nonfiction in that if the episode has like one line that makes you go, well, that's an interesting thought, then that's that's what I would want out of a podcast. I'd be like, that was a successful hour because that was a unique thought that made me think of other things. Like you're just looking for a fresh start, fresh Mm -hmm. angle for something. Now, on the other hand, if you are doing something like Serial or Business Wars, not only are you editing the delivery, but you're doing sound design, which can be fun, but that's a whole skill. Yeah. So again, it just it boils down to what kind of show you're doing. But the other thing is the skill of creating a great show can come in many forms. It can come in a great editor going in there and taking something raw that's not very listenable in its raw state and cutting it down to something awesome. But it also can come from somebody who has practiced at delivering a great presentation, essentially, on camera. I remember one of my friends was like, why, why do people like Gary Vaynerchuk? He doesn't edit his stuff. You know, why do they listen to him talk? There's no good editing. There's no graphics. There's no animations. 
I'm like, yeah, but Gary has a personality. Like his talent, which has been honed over the years, is being animated and saying stuff that a lot of people find really interesting the whole time. And that's why they watch. He doesn't need editing. He doesn't need animations and cool quote graphics. He's just Gary. So you could be that or you could have an editor or be your be your own editor more likely. Be careful if you don't like your own voice if you're going to do that. <laughs> it will be it will be a while. Now just put a chipmunker thing on it while you're editing it. Then it doesn't sound like your own voice. That's fair. <laughs> okay, so I've only got a couple more questions in here. Who? Um I'm going to combine these two. They're basically they're related. Do you do any exercises to articulate words better? And also, my voice doesn't sound good in recording. Should I still make a podcast or consider it? So so basically, do you like your own self-talking? You think your voice doesn't sound good in recordings. Sure, maybe you have the sexiest voice in the world, or maybe you don't, but not everyone's going to agree with your assessment of your own voice. Coheed and Cambria. Think of them. When I first listened to Coheed and Cambria when I was like a teenager, I'm like, who would listen to this? This guy's voice is so high and weird. It's one of those classic voices for that genre. Dude, I love Claudio's voice now. It's like, it's an acquired taste, but I love his voice now. Would I want to sing like him? Nope. But when I listen to it, I love it. So your voice, it's something that you have. And I think a lot of people don't like the sound of their own voice because maybe it's the negativity bias. Maybe it's, like the survival instinct of putting yourself out there and not wanting to get rejected. We tend to think our own faces look weird in the mirror and our voices sound weird. And you look at yourself speaking on camera and you're like, Oh, those mannerisms are weird. People are going to hate that. Nobody notices. If you have something interesting to say, they're going to listen to you. So don't worry about it. If you have uh, a thin voice, you can boost the low end and EQ. If you have a baritone voice and it's a little bit too boomy, you can cut the EQ. There's you a lot you can it. do. You can auto-tune your voice. The T-Pain whole, podcast. What would, the, what would the podcast sound like? If we just did you that? know what, Anna? Throw the auto-tune on this. I kind of want to know episode. what it would sound like. <laughs> we, should, we should do it. <laughs> she just said no over there. <laughs> you know what we should do? We should do a Nebula exclusive alternate version of this episode oh, okay. that's been auto-tuned. <laughs> This the is, problem is I don't own auto tune. I only have very, Melodyne. This is very important. Uh, but yeah, you know, don't worry about it. What was the other question? Well, it seems like one of the most basic ones. How do you get your podcast on all those apps? Hmm. How do you get on Spotify and on iTunes and all the do 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 do? The podcast host takes care of it for you, basically. Even Spotify at this point? Uh, yeah, I think so. Cool, because they were um, weird for a little bit. They were they were, oh dude spot Spotify they were a mystery box. It for was a like bit. yelling into the void. Hey, Spotify, these people, they, they want my podcast on Spotify. Can I get it on there? I think they've, they bought Anchor. This is a big thing. Um, and Anchor, I don't prefer Anchor. And they have some rough things, but they're probably the easiest way to podcast. Anchor is an app you can download, like A-N-C-H-O-R, like a boat anchor. Yeah. It's an app you can download. You can talk into your phone. That can be an episode. You type the title of your podcast, you hit publish. They host it for free. You can also go on their desktop website and you can upload a polished MP3 file. They'll host it for free. They'll publish it to the major podcasting platforms. It'll be there. 
used to be harder. You used to have to submit your feed to iTunes and you have to submit it to all these places. It's gotten so much easier now. The companies will do it for you. And it's just pick when you like. Yep. Yeah, super easy. Barely an inconvenience. Um, I don't like Anchor's embedded player for websites. It it wasn't like, it wasn't, it was responsive, but it was like weirdly responsive. It didn't work well at certain screen sizes and it was kind of unpolished. Um, and there were a few other things like nitpicky things I have. Like there's a long description and then a short description in the metadata and it would like pick only one of them to show. So it wouldn't show our show notes with links and everything. Mm. Um, and that only like matters for us specifically because we have a website yeah. to embed stuff on yep. and you might not even care if you just want to have a podcast and a podcast only. In yeah. fact, some of them give you a little website, like your own page on their Anchor site does. to hold it. Yeah. I mean, seriously, it is the easiest way. Um, Simplecast is also very easy, but Anchor is the only one I know of that's like totally free. There are some others that have like free starter plans. I think Podbean has like, they'll host five episodes for you for free or they'll host it for five weeks. It's it's one of the two and then it goes away. So you could have like a temporary podcast where you could, I think it's a, a certain amount of time. So if you want to mm. do like a news podcast and then they just go away after a while, you could do that. But if you want to have like an archive that lasts forever, I think Anchor is the only free one and then you're going to pay something for every other one that I know of but some of the other ones have better features. Yeah. Like ours, um, Art19, which I think you have to be like an agency that has a lot of shows to get on Art19. Art uh, they have a thing where you can like put in pre-roll ads across your entire catalog. So if we're like running a promotion for something in the future, we could have a pre-roll on our entire catalog. Yeah, all, all the old episodes. It's possible that people heard a pre-roll listening to this one because we're getting some started for Nebula. Oh yeah. Which is cool because in the olden days, if you wanted to get an ad for something timely on an old episode, you have to re upload a new MP3 times 300 for your entire back catalog, you know, but you pay for those things. So, um, did anybody ask about like programs for editing? Yes. Okay. I probably scrolled through that. There is the question about editing programs and the cheapest level of audio quality that will be okay. Someone asked if a phone was okay, actually, too. Maybe. Um, let me start with editing programs. So if you have a Mac, GarageBand is already on there for free. If you don't, then look at Audacity or um, Cakewalk. I haven't used Cakewalk, but if you ask about like the best free DAWs out there, uh, everyone will say cakewalk and then uh waveform free they're the two that are the best waveform is cool i love the interface it looks really cool but it's kind of funky cakewalk is the closest to like a traditional like pro tools or logic that's free and even supports external vsts if you really wanted to get your own cool compressor or something but it's probably going to come with a suite of you know you really just need like an eq and a compressor that's kind of it uh i use adobe audition but I don't push people towards Adobe products because they're expensive. Yeah, that's we, fair. It's, well, like 55 bucks a month. And the interplay between the apps, I think the only real reason we're on Adobe now is Lightroom is nice and After Effects has some stuff that just can't really be replicated elsewhere. But boy, would I love to switch to Resolve for editing instead of Premiere and... I love Studio One, 
audition i don't care studio one's nice so there's all kinds of things out there yeah i would use uh, i would look at audacity or cakewalk if you don't have garage band already it's free microphones um mark rosewater the lead game designer for magic the gathering has a podcast called the drive to work podcast where he leaves his garage and he's recording into his phone's voice recorder and just telling cool stories about the development of magic the gathering you know here here's the atog cycle or here's when we added in mutate or whatever it is and we play tested it and people hated it so we try to change the thing so if you're into magic morrow as he is called is your god essentially so listening to him basically talking to a voicemail recorder in his car is something you will more than happily do but if you're somebody who isn't already well known for something the less you already have a ton of interest around you i think the more you need to invest in quality so what i would do is start with um a usb dynamic microphone i love the audio technica atr 2100 i think it is like it fluctuates between 50 and 75 bucks usually. Um, I typically don't recommend the Blue Yeti. That's what I started with. But I think for the price, you can get better and you can get better for cheaper. So I would do that ATR 2100. If you're doing video, dude, just hold the microphone. Who cares? There's tons of YouTubers who do it. There's one YouTuber. I love what he does. <laughs> he tapes he tapes a lav mic onto the end of a combat knife and talks into it. <laughs> So it's on camera and you you could probably do like a $20 lav mic off of Amazon and plug it into a phone or an audio recorder. Um, but I love the ATR 2100 and that's pretty cheap. Yeah. It's the one I used when we were recording yep. in several buildings. That's the one I have. I never heard a single person go, man, Tom's audio is so much better than Martin's, even though I was using a $400 microphone and you're using a $75 microphone. Uh, we are using here, these are the ATR 2035s. I think these run about 130, if I'm not incorrect. Uh, and I got these because I didn't have that ATR 2100 at the time. And I had that uh, the $400 microphone, which is the SM7B. Great microphone. Michael Jackson recorded Thriller on that microphone. But it is so gain hungry that it's going to be like super quiet if you record into it, unless you get this extra thing called a cloud lifter, which is a hundred bucks. So 500 times two, I didn't want to do it. Yeah. So I got these guys. That's a bit. I used these microphones on one of Hank Green's podcasts that I was a guest on and I liked them a lot. And I was like, I want to experiment with condensers. So I got a pair of these uh, and they're going into an audio interface. So the thing you're going to learn when you run into, or you're going to run into when you start learning audio is, USB is like the easiest way, but then XLR is sort of the industry standard. It's a connection type. And to use an XLR microphone, you need an interface like a, like a Scarlet Solo or something. Yeah. Um, my podcasting video will have actual gear recommendations and we'll make a list. So, okay. But yeah. You could get into podcasting for, well, really $0 if you used your phone and you used Anchor. Uh, if you got like a $20 lav mic, it would be better and you could still use your phone you know, if I was starting, I would grab that ATR 2100. I would use a free DAW, 75 bucks. Yeah. Okay. So the very, very last question that I've decided would be important to ask here. If somebody wants to make a podcast their job, mm -hmm. what kind of audience size do they need to have before they might make a reasonable amount of money? Just so nobody gets, 
It's, it's going to be a bit spoilers. <laughs> so don't get your hopes up, basically. But there is a number at which it can become a job. Clearly people do it. Yeah, but we talked about this on the YouTube episode as well. I can't give you a number because if, if I'm doing a podcast on, um, let me think of the most profitable topic I can think of, the best annuities to buy. An annuity is a financial product that I highly disrecommend. But uh, w- when y'all get to be like 50, you're going to have annuity salesmen coming in and being like, hey, this thing is going to pay you money for the rest of your life. You just invest 200000 now and you get 10000 bucks forever. The commissions on an annuity can be insane, like $30,000 commission. So if you start, start selling annuities, best annuities podcast, and you get one conversion a year, <laughs> you could live off that. Well, that's the strat. <laughs> if you're running a Magic the Gathering podcast, I'm not really sure how you can make money off of that. I don't think there's an affiliate program for Magic Arena. You're selling your own personal collection of used you, I cards. I guess you could do that. So you could yeah. be like, I have an account on Star City <laughs> Games. This is there you go. This is me. Do they even have personal TCG player, whatever, TCG whichever trader. one you can have your own account on or eBay? Yeah. Oh, that's so true. Sure. I bought a lot of foreign cards sure, on if, eBay. If you're flipping cards, then you're making like four cents flipping a trap jar. That's not a and, magic. And card. I, I just can't. <laughs> well, you're not. You're I not going to do purpose. a very good job there. I can't Today say that a I podcast is a good way to sell magic cards. I just don't think. Selling your personal every, every episode is through podcasts. All is right, good. guys. This week I got a holographic yeah. Ulamog. Uh, yeah, today's episode a, is sponsored by Chroma's Memorial. Uh, Bro Fellows. He's been banned, <laughs> but Martin misses him, so he might bite. He's been banned, but I, I'm still selling one. It's, it's, it's sponsored by Bro Fellows. Banned card. Actually, banned cards are often pretty valuable. But yeah, like you know, if, if you're doing a podcast like that, okay, what's your monetization method there? It's probably advertising. Like the Adventure Zone. The Adventure Zone, wonderful podcast. It is uh, a Dungeons and Dragons campaign. Yeah. It's the guys who run My Brother, My Brother and Me and their dad. It's one of my favorite podcasts as well. But, you know, they're not selling anything of their own. So they do advertisements for sponsors. And at that point, it's like, okay, uh, you're doing a CP, CPM, which is cost per meal, 1,000, cost per 1,000 views or listens, I guess. and uh, you know, it, it really just boils down to what kind of audience do you have and what are they going to buy? So if I'm advertising annuities and I get one person, great. I don't need to have a ton of downloads. Um, but if it's like, I'm trying to think audible, you know, they have a free trial and then it's like 15 bucks a month. They need a lot of people to pay a lot for an ad. So, uh, it used to be the general wisdom would be that you needed to have 5,000 downloads an episode on average to get sponsors. Uh, and that may still hold. I haven't really looked up if there's any sort of new wisdom on this, but what I will say is depending on the niche of your podcast, you could reach out to sponsors and like actively pitch them before you're that big. Like you did with the, I have a specific college audience that's motivated to like to guests. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so like, I don't know if Matt ever did this, but if Matt Givenice, did like a pool care podcast, 
you know, he could reach out to like robotic pool cleaner companies and say, Hey, you know, I get, it's only 3000 downloads an episode, but it's like 3000 pool owners. So they're all interested. You know, it's not like people just putting on something in their car because they need something to listen to. It's like, nobody's listening to how to clean (laughs) your pool unless they have a pool. So it's a pretty engaged and probably affluent audience. So if you get that kind of a podcast where you have a, you have a, you know, niche audience, then you're not going to get scouted out by an agency most likely. But if you do legwork, then you might be able to find somebody. Um, the main thing is I would say, you know, you're going to start a podcast. Don't do it to try to make a living because it's, it's a slog. Yeah. And there's no guarantee success, but if you love it and you watch it steadily grow, you can take opportunities to monetize it as time goes on. Yeah. It's like the same with anything that's treadmillish in that you don't have an obvious stop date. Yeah. Don't, if you don't like it now, you won't like it in 200 episodes. Yes. Even if you're getting paid. That's true. So, uh, yeah, I was going to cheekily pitch something that would make us money, but I don't know well, if it's we're going to, we're going to sell annuities <laughs> now. So, um, annuities. Yeah. I don't know of any at the moment, but I will come up with one. Please buy it. Please clap. <laughs> is that, is that all the, uh, yeah, all the questions? Uh, I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. All right. I went a little out of order, so it'd be hard to tell, mm-hmm. but there, I grouped them together. Cool. Where they went. And I, I wish that I could just tell people what we make on this podcast but that's uh not allowed that's actually against international podcast law and they will send the podcast police podcast police yep the podcast ninjas i'm not faster than them so we cannot say (laughs) now i'm I'm working on my wind sprints so the moment i know i can outrun them i'll be happy to tell you yeah uh but i've seen articles where they'll like break down people will break down what they make it's just that it's against the terms of the contracts we sign. Anywho, that is going to do it for this episode of the Inforium. So thanks for listening. Maybe y'all will start a podcast now. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, if you want to subscribe to this podcast, make sure that you get new episodes whenever they come out, which is every other week on Mondays. Or I'm going to hold you in to this now. Oh, no. On Fridays before the Monday on Nebula. If you go to theinforium.com slash nebula, you can sign up for nebula. Uh, and those are ad free. But either way, you can subscribe by going over to theinforium.com where we have subscription buttons for Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. We don't have buttons for those, but they do exist. If you go Google those ones, we just don't care enough. <laughs> yeah <laughs> or you can paste our rss link into you gotta work for it whatever podcast player you're using because that's how podcasting works it's cool it's not just locked on youtube it's free decentralized like bitcoin but not really like bitcoin our podcast is bitcoin we're podcasting on the blockchain that's gonna be a huge blockchain don't do that uh yeah so that's it if you want to support the show Apple Podcasts has a rating and review feature where you can give us a review if you so choose or share the episode with somebody and tell them what your favorite episode is, I guess. Get them started there or don't do anything like that because as always, and just hanging out here is always appreciated. So we will see you in the next episode. Until then, stay cute.